car's been parked for a week because I've been at home with COVID for a week. I've been and, Tony uh, for a week at work. Yeah, looks like you're going to be Yikes. Tony for another week, probably. Uh, anyway, Uh-oh. somebody stole my catalytic converter again. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. I just hope, because the whole week that the car's been sitting there, it was it was like snowy as fuck on that street. So I just hope whoever stole it sat laid there for like four hours and got fucking got pneumonia. like pneumonia and yeah. probably coughed himself to death in the fucking bushes. Now, unfortunately, they uh, sold your catalytic converter, got a uh, hotel suite, and uh, took a nice bubble bath. Yeah, and fuck. Ate, ate some lobster thermidor. Uh, I'm blaming Ted Cruz. We went down the rivers, we crossed the plains, over the mountains, we fought in streams. We went west. We trapped, we mined, we carved our names. With guns and axes, we sought our fame. Our destiny was manifest. And God helped those who stood in the way of business progress. And the USA. USA. Uh, so everything probably sounds a little different today because we're doing this. Ba- we're back in Zoom land because I interface with the public on a daily basis and. Fuck uh, I tested positive for COVID-19 on, on New Year's Eve, so I've been stuck inside my, not just my house, but my, my home office for a week now, and the yeah. first thing that happened was my main computer killed itself, and then soon after that, I edited two, the last two episodes of, um, of the uh, core, core Discovery, which, holy shit, Bo. You were so you were so fucking drunk by the end of that. It's it's you, Im, it's you don't impressive. Say I was like fucking <laughs> only drinking like all the white claw, and then you were feeding us fucking vodka. Yeah, that's how that happens sometimes. Well, anyway. and the and the listeners don't know the <laughs> aftermath of that, where we had to go to a meeting <laughs> later, immediately after we recorded, and then uh, somebody else that wasn't even involved in the recording ended up like severely injuring themselves. Well, like, he ke- he kept sliding shots at us too after the meeting, and I I basically no, he, blacked. He told me I looked like shit, and I. Should should go home and i agreed yeah, with him yeah. so i did so i missed yeah. out on the worst part of it well then he kept sliding shots at me and i fucking black out i come to and i'm at a fishbone concert i apparently talked my way in As i kind of looked i looked around and went like <laughs> holy fuck i am too drunk what am i doing here i'm on my way home so i well i basically like black out as soon as i leave the show i come to i'm on the train i'm like okay which way am i going okay it looks like i'm headed home this is gonna be great i get about halfway home on the train like i black out again i come to the train stopped at a station i'm like halfway home i'm like all right i'm gonna be fine i'm gonna make it home and then i barf into my mask all down the front of me so i'm that guy on the fucking train and then i i come to and i'm in my bathroom at my house uh covered in puke Kind of going like, well, I'm just gonna climb into the shower with all my clothes on and do this all at once. And so I'm leaning, leaning down to like take off one of my shoes, and I fall backwards into the towel rack and rip it off the wall, and sprain my fucking hand at the same time. It was and lovely. Stabbed, and stabbed yourself in the back with something. Mm. That's right, javelin myself in the back with the towel rack also. Good and time. then another, and then another one of our compatriots ended up uh, having a fight between his face and the sidewalk and chipped his sidewalk teeth wins every time, man. Broke broke his hand. Yeah, I was in bed by, I think, like 10.30 that night, so... <laughs> you fucking... Uh... <laughs> All right, do your line, Bo. Anyway, welcome back to How the West is Fucked. How the West. West. Fuck. Ah!
I hope you are enjoying your first couple weeks of uh, 2022. Uh, I'm not noticing much of a difference from the year before, but okay. Yeah. In fact, it seems like we've gone retro style a little bit. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm sure you, uh, what was it, a five-parter for Core Discovery? Yeah. So hopefully y'all slog your way through that. And sorry, like the the quality declined a little bit there at the end. But fuck you, it's holidays. <laughs> um, so this week we're gonna start off with something a little more approaching the indigenous, uh, you know, kind of thing. But it's 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 got a different bank because we keep on getting yelled at by some of our Canadian listeners and we don't do enough Canada stuff. So you, Tony, you what, had that plural. It's Canada listener. The what? <laughs> Canada listener. listener. Yeah. Well, okay. Listener of Canada. <laughs> okay. So, for our Canadian listener, uh, Tony, what do you know about The Menace? The Menace? Like the band? T-I-S. The Metis? I've also heard it pronounced Metis, Metis. Oh, we did Métis. talk about the Metis at one point, right? Is I, br- that... I, bring, I bring it up from time to time. Yeah, is it like... Oh, shit. It's, uh... I want to say it's like... Like a... Oh, God damn it. It's a... Is it a tribe of people? It technically it is. It is now. Yeah. But uh, what what makes him distinct from like uh, most of uh, let's call it they, like uh, traditionally styled like Native Americans? Do they have like French blood or something? That's it. They do, and that's ding, 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 ding. Uh, like, Metis okay. is is like uh, basically means mixed. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, uh, they gen- they generally were uh, a mix of like tribal people and, and uh, French, you know, during the fur trade. Not that all devo- of them, though. Not all of them. Not all of them. I said generally. <laughs> we'll get into that, but like, uh, uh, um, but you know, uh, end up having a distinct enough culture and like distinct enough linearity where they're kind of like their own group, and we're gonna get into that today. Cool. All right. Oh, Canada, so, balls deep. There we go. So with that, <laughs> Will, do the Comic Sans and your lovely NPR voice. There we go. <clears throat> Voyagers. They lived hard, slept hard, and ate dogs. I think that was their motto. That sounds like a bumper sticker. Sounds like the um, people that live down the block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people stealing my fucking catalytic converters. Yeah. Uh, it was 1821 when the HBC and the Northwest Company merged. And it was still called the HBC after that. But at their peak before 1821, the Voyagers numbered over 5,000 people. Then they intermarried with the Great Lakes tribes, and then they became the Métis. Uh, the Voyagers sang songs all day, which would not be annoying at all. Well, it's like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You whistle while you work, you know. Only in this case, you <laughs> sing for Jaca over and over. And oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. Everybody dancing now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too sexy for my furs. Too sexy for my furs. <laughs> oh, God. So fucking gross. <laughs> 
but one with a good singing voice, but he'd be paid more. Uh, they even improvise songs while they're doing it, which is pretty impressive. I don't know what kind of... Oh, it's like a rap um, battle. For epic rap yeah. battles of history. Like Portage in this canoe. Uh, can't find anything that rhymes with canoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a good one coming up. Uh, a song, a sample of a song. Uh, but they they dressed in short striped cotton shirts, a red woolen cap, deer skin leggings, and they loved feathers and beads. And they so just the look fucking, up a picture of these guys. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, they deliver presents to the good boy, boys and girls at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they started to incorporate native words, mostly from the Ojibwa and Cree. And this would later turn into the Métis language itself called uh, Machif. In case you need to know, I probably pronounced that wrong, but who knows? We're we dumb Americans. Wrong, especially you. <laughs> uh, of course, they were young, horny men, and they intermarried with the natives. Kind of helped them secure ties with the trading of furs, too. If you're fucking somebody, they probably won't fuck you over in the... At least their brother wouldn't. I know I've been in several relationships. I've never been in, like, a fur sugar daddy. Never had anybody <laughs> even ask. Mm, I think you're asking the wrong people. Then. It's like, uh, hey, you want to hang out Saturday? I don't know how many minks you have. You know, it's just never come up. After the merger of 1821, a lot were out of jobs. They were fired. So they had to stay with their native wife's family. Uh, so that between uh, 1831 and 1840, the population of the Red River country went from 2,400 to 4,400. So now they're kind of settling down and becoming more tribal than uh than hunting furs first they kind of lived on the fringes of the plains like pimpana and where would that be north dakota yay Ooh, i still never been there like been over that whole ass state but that northeast corner i just really have never fucked with wow you guys you guys can't even do a episode about canada without bringing fucking north dakota into it <laughs> oh well it. the problem with well not the problem but the thing with the the medis is like um that, that becomes one of the issues is like, you know, they like live in Canada part of the year and they come down into America and we can't have that because, you know, build that wall and all that shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Uh, but the HBC thought these as freemen, as they're now called, as nuisances. And they took away business for them. But freemen enjoyed their new freedom and more voyagers left the HBC to become freemen. Well, go, go yeah. into more like how they're stealing business from the fucking Hudson Bay Company. Like, how, in, what, in what way are they just saying, like, oh, Hudson Bay chocolate will give you AIDS? No, it's <laughs> nothing like that. They were just like, hey, we offer similar products that will sell cheaper <laughs> in most cases. But it was that generation that was born in the 1790s that became a recognizable group when they hit their 20s in the 1810s and began to marry each other and create their own culture and language, though. Okay. So basically, it was June 1816 that they kind of got their start. But uh, the year before that, in 1815, Mount Tambora erupted in Indonesia, which caused a worldwide drop in temperatures for three years. Whoa, what the fuck? Really? Well, yeah, because, okay, when a large volcano fucking uh, goes off, it shits a a bunch of particulate into the air, which can uh, decrease the amount of sunlight that hits the, uh, the surface of the Earth. And, of course, you know, it spreads around in the stratosphere and shit like that. Uh, it's it's a lot of why like you know ice ages are things and 
Yeah, yeah. You know, well, like, I mean, I'm like, just thinking like this is how we're gonna fix global warming, man. You go, you go, put a put a bomb. The fuck up. Yeah, put a bomb in in fuck in a uh, 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 Rainier and let that Dante's fucker go peak. off, man. Yeah, Dante's Peak. Not in my backyard, motherfucker. <laughs> so uh, it caused a worldwide drop in temperature for three years. That volcano there. So in 1816, it snowed through the summer, and rivers were low and creeks dried up. And everybody was cold and hungry. And there was much rejoicing. Mm-hmm. So this takes place in the Red River country. That's the area kind of northwest Minnesota, uh, kind of a little chunk of eastern North Dakota and Manitoba, mostly Manitoba. I was going to say, we got to specify because there's also the Red River that's like out around like Texas. That's you know? not Texas. This is the Red River that goes into Hudson Bay. I know, but like the, the song Red River Valley... Like, I think my dad grew up and probably died thinking that the, the song Red River Valley was about that Red River, where it's not. <laughs> it's about the other Red River. Do you think of the valley you're leaving? Oh, how lonely and dreary it will be. Do you think of the kind heart you're breaking and the pain you are causing to me? Then come sit here a while if you leave us. Do not hasten to bid us adieu. But remember the bright little valley and the cowboy who loves you so true. That's like Green River, right? Like there was... A million oh, there's places like, called Green River. There's like 8,000 Green Rivers. There's one in North Dakota. I know there's definitely one here famous for its killer and its soda. You know. <laughs> I like the soda better than the killer. Yeah, it's a tie like, for me. They should just call it the Ridgeway River. I mean, I, you don't want to like uh, vaunt a serial killer, but like, you know, there's too many Green Rivers. You got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And the band, too. Green River Thrillers. There's a bunch. No, just the Green River from Mark Arm oh, yeah. days. Oh, that was still, pre. Well, also in Seattle, we have the Green River Thrillers. Yeah, Green River was what they were called before they became um, Pearl Jam, right? Pearl Jam, Ed Mud Honey. Yeah, was Pearl yep. Mud. Pearl Gross. Mud. And uh, fuck Pearl Jam. Not a fan. <laughs> Five dollar Bob's Smock Cooter Stew. <laughs> so they call the people that live up the Red River or the uh, upper red, and the people that live lower, the lower red, if you can remember that. And they meet up at Winnipeg. Winnipeg's kind of the center there. The Ojibwa and the boys' brulees, uh, those are the future Métis. They were all in the area, as were French Canadians and Scots, employed by the Northwest Company, Shocking. and English, and Scots from the HBC. So when you have the Scots in there, they have their old grudges and their old clan warfare. Which we talked that, about initially, like in the first episode of this entire thing with the Scots going out to do Astoria, where they're all like speaking fucking Scottish on the ship and doing Scottish stuff like caber tossing and <laughs> whatever else Scottish people do. Haggis, haggis, and haggis caber tossing. Haggis eating, <laughs> dwarf tossing, whatever else. <laughs> so that kind of made uh, the two companies at odds with each other. Uh, most of the guys were Highlanders booted out from Scotland 
and brought over by Luke. Well, it's because there can be only one. Here we are! Born to the kings! They were brought over by Lord Selkirk of the HBC. Oh, Selkirk. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that name. They were called Selkirk Settlers. Uh, the boys Brulee for Selkirk. <laughs> were mostly Northwestern allies. They saw these settlers as a threat. Uh, but the Ojibwa were also sympathetic to all the newly arrived settlers. So this is just a big mix of a bunch of people. And you got to choose sides. They arrived in 1812, the settlers, and they were pretty pathetic, as settlers are. Nope. <laughs> Dude, all the settlers listening to this shit are going to be so fucking pissed, man. You need to calm down yeah, that settler our, hate. Our, our settler listenership is going to drop mightily <laughs> after that fucking sick burn. <laughs> Settlersonly.com. Yes. Uh, no cold weather clothes and no tools that suited the land. Pathetic. I love the... F- I love the fact that, like, much with the Donner Party, like, no cold weather clothes. If, if there's one fucking thing other than, like, a knife you're going to want, holy shit. <laughs> like, no, no, I need a fucking double-story wagon and <laughs> grand piano and, like, fucking all this bullshit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they had little money and they were homesick. And before they even left, they heard horror stories of the natives of the New World, that they were savages. They were college students only with the threat of natives of the New World. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, what do settlers do? They proclaim the land that they were... (laughs) They proclaim that they own the land. This is mine now. (laughs) Oh, God. So um, basically, HBC, if you look at a map, they... Basically, we're given the whole, anything that's flowed into the Hudson's Bay. Who were they is, given that by? Uh, the English government, although, by a I'm charter all those years ago, like in the 1600s. they also still a king? I guess is my point. Oh, yes. That's why you get given that shit. Like, Tis mine. You may have it. You may have that other country I, that I've someone never, else already lives in. Because I've never seen it, and I'm an inbred fuck. Like sitting on a throne <laughs> in a pointy hat, yeah. Oh, so much shade today. All the, all the kings that listen to this shit, they're gonna be all pissed off uh, now. I'm man, kings and settlers. Fucking fuck kings and fuck settlers. <laughs> fuck them all. So uh, the HBC sells that land to Lord Selkirk for pennies on the dollar. The declaration of ownership got the boys brulees, the freemen, and the Ojibwa talking. They helped these guys get settled and hunted for them. Now, they said that they owned the whole place. Didn't help that Lord Selkirk was a racist. Um, <laughs> I mean, never does, but... I'm know. blown away. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. He, I am shocked, sir. Shocked. <laughs> uh, he thought the boys brulee were bastards. His governor, Miles McDonnell, was much worse, and he was actually there in country. Well, Selkirk was back in Britain. 
McDonald consented to the Ojibwa, regarded them as savages and openly contemptuous of the boys' brulees. The boys' brulee and Northwesterners dubbed him Captain Cartouche. That meant uh, a dashing, handsome, and brave uh, Parisian bandit. But okay. they had, but they had a tradition of giving nicknames that were the opposite of the person. <laughs> oh, I see it. Oh, they're being all like ironic. It's like you got a big fat biker friend, and everybody calls him Tiny. Yep. Okay. <laughs> also, should point out that Boys Brulee is like uh, apparently like fr- like French for like uh, burnt wood. Oh. So, so charcoal. They're like, hey, oh. wh- 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 what's our fucking set going to be called? Fucking charcoal, bitch. You know, <laughs> whatever. But shit's hot. Because yeah, like boys' trees, like uh, boy, boys the ark, like I always talk oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ark, yeah. So. I forgot what brulees is, which makes sense because then brule soup probably means like, you know, well, we say brule, but like it probably is an offshoot of Steve, like Steve Brule. Dang us. Well, it's kind of like Sue is, I think, French for snake, isn't it? I think. Uh, I don't know. I'm not an expert. <laughs> Shouldn't say that one. <laughs> Welcome to How the West Was Fucked. We're not experts. And we don't know anything. McDonald forbid anybody cutting down uh, any trees beside the settlers. Uh, and of course, there's not too many trees around the Red River. Well, and also, I love the the hubris of like, uh, hey, you fuckers that lived here before us, you, now these trees are all mine. You can't cut any down. Even though everybody also, needs to cut down trees. Also, thanks for helping us get established and helping us hunt and stuff when everything sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, but it's all right because, you know, you know, if you look, uh, your melanin content is far more than ours. So uh, <laughs> we definitely need all these trees. And that'll come in later when they're divvying up, like, land because the, the Métis would have, like, a little spot along the river and it would extend up into the trees. But then the government, the Canadian government would come along and say, nope, you don't have the river anymore. You could just get this area of trees or area of the river, but not both. I have this lovely patch of rocks for you. Would you like some rocks? Uh, I think you'd be better in the rocks. Yeah. Uh, Now you also needed a fishing license, which only McDonald would issue. Government overreach, man. Well, tyranny. Absolutely. McDonald couldn't enforce any of these laws, but it didn't stop him from issuing more orders. January 8th, 1814, McDonald ordered for a period of one year, no one could take food aside from while traveling, while trading. So basically, the, the Métis had to do all the hunting, but not keep any of the food. They had to apply for license just to, to do the trading. Oh, that seems fair. Yeah. Good and, God, man. Good Jesus Christ. <laughs> And, and, you know, voyagers and Native Americans are good at, at following rules and not just living on the, you know, with the land. Yep. And then also, you said 1814. So in the meantime, Johnny Horton was like uh, following Andrew Jackson around, wrote his like epic historical ballad, the, you know, Battle of New Orleans, mm-hmm. where they took a little trip. Well, we fired our guns and the British kept coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more, they began to run it well, Down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico Then they ran through the briars and they ran through the brambles And they ran through the bushes where a rabbit couldn't go They ran through the 
down So we grabbed an alligator and we fought another round We filled his head with cannonballs and powdered his behind And when we touched the powder off, the gator lost his mind We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico Which was recorded live in 1814. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. Well, you knew. Yeah. <laughs> On 48 wax cylinders. <laughs> no, they used to uh, just like, scream it into the mouth of a marmot that then they beat until it repeated it verbatim. <laughs> Teach a bird how to sing the song. We're good. Yep. Yeah, I shouldn't have said marmot. Probably magpie, because that actually mm-hmm. would have a chance of somewhat working. That's <laughs> how so the Flintstones did it. Yep. Uh, the Brulees began to run Buffalo away from the settlements. Uh, they had horses. Then uh, McDonald ordered pemmican seeds from the Northwesterners. He exposed his willingness to use violence. I don't know how you do that. He's basically like, you don't have a right to have food. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, bitch? So both sides took prisoners, and Freeman and Brulees took up arms, and the Ojibwa and the Cree joined them. So basically now the settlers are outnumbered by everybody. So there's no way they could win. So McDonald backed down before a fight broke out. Well, it's also interesting because, like, McDonald's such an asshole that he put himself in such a position of, like, I'm going to make all these fucking decrees that I can't possibly back up that are, like, completely, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we're all living in the same plot. Oh, you can't have any wood and you can't have any food, but deal with it. Also, <laughs> do all the work for us. Yeah, that seems reasonable as fuck. Jesus Christ. The last straw was July 21st, 1814. McDonald forbid running the buffalo, running him off. And that was punishable by three months in prison. Cuthbert Grant, he was the leader of the boys' brulee. Uh, his uh, brulee name was Wapiston, or White Ermine, which is... It's pronounced Ermine in your American. It's Ermine. Yep. You know what Ermine is, right? No. So, like, little weasel. Like, little, oh. little, little weasel. White That's what they throw in the bathtub. Well, they're, they're at, uh, white in the winter, they're brown in the summer. Mm. <laughs> Wait, that's the little thing from the from the Big Lebowski? No, no that's <laughs> a, ferret. a ferret. I was going to say, I thought it was a ferret. Okay. <laughs> the ferret's way the fuck bigger. No, I'm talking ermines are like, uh, they're actually like a least weasel. It, or uh, uh, also called a stoat. Oh, yeah, stoat. Weasel. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what a stoat uh, is. Okay. Uh, it took me forever to figure this out. You were, you know, when you watch like shit where there's like a king and they're wearing a cloak and there has that white strip with the little black tips on it. Yeah, that's like a shitload of those dead, like in oh. a in a line. That's little black tips and little tips of their tail, and then the rest of it's their little horrible stoat body. Damn, it's what's and left over after they try to record a song. They try yep. to teach it to a bunch of stoats and then like beat them until they're dead. And then they finally go like, <laughs> "Fuck, we should have started with a bird. Let's go to birds." Right. Now, like, uh, we actually have those little fuckers in North Dakota. I, I ran into one, like, several winters ago, and it's crazy because their metabolism is so so, so huge, they got to eat all the time. But, I mean, they're, like, tiny. They're, like, they're like uh, anorexic ham- hamster size. 
But they can kill like full size rabbits and chickens and shit like that. What the fuck, really? Yeah, no, no, they do not fuck around. They're like the killing machine of like all time. But they're just like wee. They're very wee, and they're so cute. They're like some like little Pokemon looking fuck, like little <laughs> little like mouse sized long cat thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, but they're one of the most vicious predators on the fucking planet. So. It just makes me think of like that scene from Ghostbusters two where the lady's mink coat like gets the slime on it and comes to life. And it's yeah. it's just like twelve of these fucking little weasels like in a jacket that are just running around trying to eat everybody. Excellent. Well, yeah, as you do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he was the leader. Uh, he was born in the Northwest, which is like they called Manitoba at the time, and was educated in Montreal and came back in 1812 with the Northwesterners of the guys who worked at the Northwest Company, not to HPC. Oh, uh, the enemy. Yep. So the Northwesterners named Grant the leader or captain general of all the uh, mixed people in the country. That didn't mean much, though, because he kind of had to prove himself because that's how, you know, Indian stuff works. Sure. Just don't get a. Yeah. Uh, He did have good character and charisma. Uh, They wanted to cast this as a war. So Northwesterners donned their War of 1812 uniforms. Uh, The Brulees used war paint. And September 1815, the Brulee were flying their own flag, which was the infinity symbol. Whoa, what? Yep. So the Brulees and everybody came from all over and gathered at Frog Plain to fight the Selkirk settlers. And they harassed the settlers at their fort. Uh, Colonists began to leave. The Northwesterners attacked directly MacDonald. Uh, they claimed if McDonald gave himself up, there would be peace. He did, thinking that the settlers could stay and that the hostilities would end. Uh, the Northwesterners took McDonald to Montreal for the trial. The M- Northwesterners then tried to persuade more colonists to leave, and many did, so things are going in that direction for a little while. One would argue going in the good direction, possibly? Sl- slightly. <laughs> Grant issued orders for all the settlers to leave, so they head north, but they all come back a few months later because the north sucks. (laughs) They come back with Colin Robertson, not Colin Robinson. I was going to say fucking Colin Robinson. (laughs) Who's Colin Robinson? (laughs) You ever watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows? The Energy Vampire. Energy Vampire. One of the best ways to drain people's energy nowadays is via the internet. It's surprisingly simple to get total strangers completely furious with you. They should get a life. Well, from from now on, I'm just going to picture it as Colin Robinson. So <laughs> <laughs> He was a former Northwesterner, uh, but he was leading them for the HBC now. He was smart enough to cooperate with the Brulees. Then he took a Northwesterner fort, uh, Fort Gibraltar. Uh, new Brulees came to help. So his tactics worked. Then a new governor came in, Governor Robert Semple, or they we called him Mr. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> he Dream. was kind of full of, full of himself, if you can imagine. Yeah, be your uh, new HR department, Mr. Simple, Mr. Fucking Booger Eater, and Mr. Fart Sniffer. <laughs> okay. uh, he kind of shared McDonald's view of things. Uh, he had only a few settlers left, and they weren't fighters. But he it's did like, have a uh, fort with a cannon. I like how there's like you only had a few settlers left. Like it's like 
risk or like settlers of Catan or some shit like that. Oh man, I'm on the ropes. I only have a few settlers left. I'm gonna play this card and like, oh, it'll multitask my settlers if I fucking yeah. Uh, Jean Baptiste Legamadier. I'm sure I said yep, that right. Sure, that was correct. Yeah, <laughs> that so was uh, like Louis uh, Louis Riel's grandpa. At that time, he's on the side of the HBC because they paid him more money because he was a hunter at Fort Edmonton. Then in 1812, they go to the, back to the Red River. Uh, 1815, there are only 18 colonists left. Jean-Baptiste agreed to, go to, agreed to go to Montreal to let Lord Selkirk know of all the troubles there. He left October 17th, 1815, uh, basically a five-month round trip on snowshoes. Oh. Uh Seems easy. So he succeeded in warning Selkirk, thus set in motion the retaliation that followed. Uh, then Riel's grandma moved to Fort Douglas that winter so she wouldn't get shot by this war. So Shot the, by the war? Yep. So th- this this war is basically like a corporate war? Is that what's going on? It's like mm-hmm. two two fur trading companies like battling it out for territory? Well, in the future, all restaurants are Taco Bell. God damn, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we've talked about this kind of shit before, but it just never ceases to amaze me. Like in the in the near future, it's going to be like like oh, Amazon. Elon, Elon Amazon's going to be Elon swinging Musk on ropes. Is, Elon yeah. Musk is going to fight Jeff Bezos with a fucking oh, yeah. sword. You oh, my this. God. Dude, if they televise that, I will pay for it and, and play it at the bar. Elon Musk will probably incredible. have a laser sword. Jeff Bezos will have apparently a giant dick sword because that's what he's <laughs> into. So June 1816, Grant and his freemen uh, and the Brulees and the, all the First Nations people took Pemmican to the Northwesterners, helping him out. So How they're the fuck not, are they? I yep. thought we outlawed Pemmican and wood. <laughs> uh, Here's a bowl of fat supp- for you. It's because the Northwesterners, their supply lines were cut by the settlers in the HBC. But uh, Grant and his Brulees had two plans. Uh, meet the Northwesterners and pass on the pemmican to break the blockade. The second was ongoing harassment of the colony to get them to leave. So they arrive at Frog Plain June 19th. And of course, the plans unravel right away. They had been seen by a lookout at Fort Douglas. Inside the fort, the alarm sounded. Uh, Governor Simple had a group of 28 settlers <laughs> and told them to arm themselves. Uh, they did with mostly useless muskets. <laughs> this sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Useless uh, muskets? So it's a bat? It's a gun-shaped mm-hmm. bat? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, or I was picturing more like a pop gun, like straight shooting a cork on a string. <laughs> right. Like The flag comes out that says bang. Yep. <laughs> so they walk out of the fort, uh, single file, following simple. Uh, Grant's men were setting up camp and unloading their carts. Their Métis carts when they saw oh, them yeah. coming. Oh, uh, when do you want to talk about the cool-ass Métis carts? You can do it right now. They are a structural engineer. Okay. One of the things that uh, the Métis people are famous for is what's called a Red River cart. Okay. And so this is a, a vehicle that's driven by like generally one ox or one mule. Uh, so it's like a two-wheeled cart, you know, from all intents and purposes, it looks like a cart you see in any kind of like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves kind of bullshit or something like that. But uh, the innovations of it are it has gigantic fucking wheels. And oh, so, like uh, I'm looking at one right now. The wheels are like the size of the whole cart. 
I think I sent you a picture of one. Well, they I, I sent you a picture of a uh, uh, one from the Heritage Center. I think too. Uh, yeah. If not, a, if not, I will. But like, um, they have giant fucking wheels, and what that does is when you're crossing over ruts and shit. Well, your wheel doesn't drop into the rut. You roll over mm-hmm. it like Bigfoot, 4x4x4, four by four by four, King of the Monster Trucks. All hail Bigfoot. <laughs> Except for I kind of like Grand Digger too, but that's okay. Standing tall and sturdy, shining like a summer's day. He's gonna smoke from off the line and tell him, Sonny, you don't win and you don't get paid. He's awesome, watch him lining up. Hey! Listen to the people cheer. It's music to his ears They call him Bigfoot King of the monster trucks They call him Bigfoot King of the monster trucks Everybody wants a piece of the action Everybody wants a winning day But when they get a load of what is packing that's one of the innovations. Also, they use no metal in the construction of these carts because, you know, metal was scarce. So, like, uh, where a normal wagon wheel will have, like, a uh, what's called a tire, which is generally made out of steel or iron, okay? Generally iron, actually. Uh, they'd use, like, buffalo hide. Oh, I'm looking right, at one so, right now. Yeah, it goes yeah. on kind of like chains, like you put chains on your yeah. Well, it's car just what ke- it, what keeps all the wood parts uh, together. It's like a tensioner on the outside. Yeah, you yeah, put yeah. It on, you put it on while wet, and then it dries out, and it like you know, like rawhide shrinks down and like does the thing. Also, the wheels were dished, so they're kind of like uh, you know, uh, like a satellite concave, dish, concave or concave, convex. Yeah. yeah. So uh, therefore. You know the cart has a wider camber, so it, it you know it's less hard or it's less easy to tip over, which is amazing. And also they're all like uh, pegged together and lashed with rawhide. There's no nails. There's no no glue. So, so basically, if your shit breaks down in the middle of nowhere, you go find a tree and you whittle some shit and you fix your fucking cart. It is like a very it, 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 uh, it's a lot like the East Coast. They had the birch bark canoes that you could build out of just shit you find around. Yeah, that was like that was like the thing. You compare this thing to like a Conestoga wagon. Yeah, it can haul less shit, but it requires only one animal to pull, and um, it, it it's like the Jeep of its day, I guess. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's it's pretty badass. Yeah, but I just wanted to I just want to give a a good shout out to the Red River Cart. Fucking awesome, man! Yeah, drift I'm looking around at pic- corners. Yeah, they're great at drifting. Apparently, no, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a bunch of pictures of these. I'm going to post a bunch on uh, Instagram. They're cool as shit. Stick around for more How the West Was Fucked. Celebrate 160 years of Pelt Magazine with all the exclusive stories from today's top trappers. Get ready for candid confessions from the most manly of mountain men and up-close focus on wild animals that kill and river rapids that thrill. Opulence Unlimited on intimate tours of the world's most palatial beaver dens and the most captivating of bear caves. Stories from trappers that trap the imagination of a nation. All this and more in the anniversary edition of Pelt Magazine. Get your copy of Pelt 160th Anniversary Edition from Sequoia and Swagger today. A Bronson Swagger Company. So they go out with their muskets that don't work to meet the oncoming force 
Uh, actually, uh, Simple sent uh, a few men back for a cannon, their one cannon that they had. Which probably also uh, didn't work. <laughs> but Grant had 62 men, mostly brulees. They're all wearing war paint and well-armed. Uh, Grant's men surrounded the settlers in a half moon. Grant sent Furman Boucher to talk to Simple. Then That's they probably pronounced Boucher, but sure. Boucher. And also, <laughs> noted, notice they surround him in a half circle. Not a full-on uh, oh ninja three the domination scenario, scenario? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah not 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 the you know so you can half circle it so you're not gonna like shoot your own people well a couple of guys might shoot each other well they Although, just have to aim, aim to the side you know to the oh side. sure yeah, yeah yeah so they begin yelling at each other uh, simple reach to grab Boucher's bridle or gun uh, then bridle from part of the line man that's a big difference <laughs> somebody shot. Then another shot was shot, and then a settler was laying mortally wounded. Then everybody opened fire. Yay! Within and fifteen there was minutes, much rejoicing. Oh, fuck. Within fifteen minutes, twenty settlers were dead, including Governor Simple. Yeah. So this was it, the Battle of it, Seven Oaks. It, that's not a battle. Well, once again, now <laughs> now this is one of those where I'm going to have to call that a massacre, even though it's on more of the indigenous side. But when you have a bunch of guys with uh, like squirt guns and fucking cap guns and shit. Versus, and they all get like, iced, some, yeah. Some guys with some no fucking around, like, happening, you yeah. know. When, it, yeah. when it's kind of that one-sided. History's most one-sided battles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the quote-unquote savage force of the Brulees horrified the Euro-Canadians. You fucking ate. To, See, now I the call them savage, but in the, not the pejorative sense, in the, uh, that's fucking savage. Like, yeah. Like, you prepared. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, of course, uh, they said they acted in self-defense, and the settlers shot first. Well, it's probably true. But the settlers were also armed with bullshit and, and were idiots. So, <laughs> there you go. So, Lord Selkirk was so furious about the deaths, he sent an official complaint to Great Britain and not to Montreal, uh, where he might need help from the local people. So, that oversight might cost him a little bit later in the end. But instead, Selkirk took the law into his own hands. Uh, he put together a band of discharged Canadian soldiers, Swiss mercenaries, which oh. got to be frightening. Were they pikemen <laughs> like the Vatican Guard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why, but the Swiss mercenaries is really funny sounding. Well, you know, okay, you know about the Swiss Vatican Guards, right? No. Oh, Google what are they, that real What quick. are they doing in, in fucking Italy? Uh, the only thing they can guard. I think I think their uh, like uh, origin story is they were Swiss mercenaries and were hired by the Vatican, and now they're just kind of a thing. Oh, and they still like hang out with halberds and like fancy bright colored shit. And uh, are these the guys that are dressed like clowns? Kind of. Yes, only oh, okay. with like a big poleaxe kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I'm looking at. Holy yeah. shit, dude. No, he straight up looks like a medieval like Renaissance fair clown. Yep, but they still do that <laughs> to this day. And that's Those what I'm picturing when, when, when you say Swiss mercenary. Yeah. that That's exactly what I picture. Oh, now it's even funnier in my head. This is fantastic. All right. He straight up looks like a medieval clown with a, with a big <laughs> axe sword pole thing. So, like a clown, horrific, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So the uh, Selkirk and his Canadian soldiers and Swiss mercenaries, they go about capturing Northwesterners' forts, 
and arrest their employees because that's what Walmart does. Uh, he also tries to woo Freeman and Brulees away with promises of food, like their uh, <laughs> runaway cat or something. Sup, girl, like, I got a cheesecake for you. You guys like pudding cups? Because I got all these pudding cups. Uh, the Northwesterners were also busy retaliating. Both sides were blocking traffic on the river. Then a proclamation from the Crown, all the way from the King there, arrived January 1817. Which means he sent it in, like, fucking June of 18, like, 16, so... So, basically, they were ordered to keep the peace, but nobody followed it, because it's six months to get a letter to, to yeah. England. When Lord Selkirk and his mercenaries arrived in the Northwest, uh, Grant tried to persuade his Brulees to assist defending the Northwesterners' fort at Rainy Lake. I like when how you say Brulees, because I'm picturing like Alex from motherfucking Clockwork Orange. What's up, me Brulees? You want to fucking, <laughs> you know? Many said no, because they didn't have any loyalty to the Northwest Company. But the young Brulees took up arms when HBC men tried to arrest Grant. But a few days later, they declined to fight the HBC men on behalf of the Northwesterners at Fort Douglas. So Grant has to voluntarily surrender with the promise of a pardon based on self-defense that he was acting in during that when 20 people were shot there. Right. Well, 20 people that did come out to fight, they just came out to fight armed with Nerf guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, back in Montreal, hundreds of charges were filed. Uh, Selkirk laid charges at the Northwesterners. Loitering. Then the <laughs> Northwest Company laid charges against the HBC and Lord Selkirk. Double loitering. <laughs> charges were laid against the Brulees and Cuthbert Grant. Uh, Having um, too much skin tone. <laughs> many jurymen and judges had ties to the Northwest Company. Uh, Lord Selkirk would protest to anybody who'd listen, and Grant was freed on his own recognizance and skipped bail. Years passed as trials were transferred from place to place. Basically, it cost a lot of money, uh, a lot of Selkirk's money, to try to try these trials. Uh, basically, he had nothing to show for it, and no convictions for the fight at Frog Plain. So Lord Selkirk leaves the country in 1818 in ill health. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, but I still like to go camping in the mountain range named after his piece of ass. Like, because uh, it's full of fucking, like, wolves and fucking bears and not man, man bear turkeys. Pigs. I wish. That, that'd be better. We, we go up there armed for man bear pig, but, like, mostly we shoot targets. You know, I don't know. Forest filled with Swiss mercenaries. You don't know where I've been, man. (laughs) (laughs) The British government finally turned its full attention to the war in the Northwest and insisted on negotiation. And eventually in 1821, the two companies joined and it was still called HBC, though. Because the Uh, HBC won't let me be and let me be me. I knew it was coming eventually. Because I have to do that every time because if I don't, I won't be able to sleep at night. Basically, the Ojibwa, Brulees, and Freeman weren't happy because that meant the loss of jobs. Once again, every time uh, you say Freeman, I just think of the guys from fucking Montana that did the thing, too. So, <laughs> Basically, that meant a lack of competition for, for them trapping and uh, higher prices to buy stuff. Uh, HBC imposed harsh new rules on them. 
and tight rules on credit. Because they won't and, let them be and let them be they. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the settlers got first pick of the goods sold. And they cut back on presents given to the Ojibwa and other tribes. We're going to take all the whiskey and all the gunpowder. And that's it. <laughs> so the Ojibwa retaliated by blocking passes and setting fire to the plains, keeping the buffalo away. Uh, and they painted their faces black in anger, which is different when when other people do it in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. So the Ojibwa and the Brule are pissed because they're getting fired. But they become freemen, so they could do their own trapping. But where to where to sell it is another question. Uh, but the Red no River Country sell it or owned by HBC, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Red River Country absorbed most of these people. Uh, the Brule freemen come up with a plan to make their own Northwest Company, and they wanted it stationed in Pembina, and they wanted Grant to lead it. But the new governor, George Simpson, got to Grant first and offered him a new working relationship with the HBC. And Grant declined the offer by the Brule, and he accepted the offer to promote peace and not to battle again. So he's a sellout. Well, because capitalism wins out over, like, you know, what the workers need or any of that shit. So, oh, we can't have you doing this unruly fighting over, like, stuff. You gotta. It's gonna cut into profits. Shit. Yes. <laughs> Can't sell shit when you're uh, killing each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave him some land west of the uh, forks of the Red River there and called it Grant Town. Imagine mm-hmm. that. That rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. This is kind of when the Métis became their own ethnic group. Their first form of government was based around the buffalo hunt rules of conduct. Uh, well, are you going to talk about that at all? Because they, they kind of do shit a little bit different than, like, uh, say, like your Lakota and your Northern Cheyenne and what do you... Go ahead and talk about it. Well, so uh, that's part of the thing that starts, like, fucking with people, too, is, like, you know, people are starting off in Canada, and they go meet in Pembina, and then they go out to, like, the plains to hunt buffalo, right? So, like, uh, different, like, far-apart groups would come together and stuff. But the way they'd organize it, they'd kind of have, like a leader of the hunt, and then they'd kind of have, like, I can't remember what they call it. Like, it wasn't, like, maybe it was sergeant-at-arms. Ah, uh, fuck. I can look at my time-life shit. Ooh, like they, yes. They, they do it in detail. Basically, it's very well organized. And basically, um, you have guys that, like, tell everybody who's going on the hunt and what time we're going to hunt. You got guys that organize their groups of guys to go out and hunt, and then you got guys that go out and scout. And so it's a, it's a very well orchestrated thing. It, it, it's kind of like meeting up with like kind of the traditional uh, like Plains Native ways of buffalo hunting, but also kind of like almost like rendezvous kind of rules. You know, it's like a little more structured and a little more like hierarchical. Is it because you have but, several you have like several different like 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 bands or whatever coming together in one place? Well, it's because it's because they're taking shit from their indigenous heritage and they're taking shit from their like penny pinching fucking like hierarchical white heritage. Okay, and so they're they're taking the best parts of either kind of thing and making it more efficient. Okay, because like because of like by all accounts like they had that shit down to a science, like. I mean, people would still get hurt and stuff, but, like, to a lesser degree. And plus, you like, you know, we're going to skin them out instead of dragging shit off on Travoy or, like, throwing it off on the back of a horse. They mm-hmm. have those Red River carts so you could haul more meat, haul more hides, haul all that more shit. It was just way better, like, kind of planned out. And they had, like, 
times a year they'd like do it. It was, you know, it was kind of like um, not quite industrialization, but like just, I keep on wanting to call it pragmatic, but that's probably not the right word. Um, I don't know. It, it's just interesting because it like, t- t- to my understanding of it, it's like midway between like the wholesale slaughter that the white buffalo hunters did mm-hmm. and the more like we're doing this because this is what we do kind of things of the indigenous. Like sure. it, it was kind of a, a middle ground of that. And by all accounts, like they were super successful at that. And then HBC would get pissed off because they could sell like buffalo meat and buffalo robes cheaper and had a better supply of them. And, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. So. Uh, I did find the uh, their uh, Métis song, one of their songs. Oh, yeah. Which the Euro-Canadians hated. Uh, this one's the Turtle Mountain song, if you want to drop me a beat. We're going to Turtle Mountain. We're going into Red River Cart. We're going to wear moccasins. We'll wipe our asses with birch bark. <laughs> yeah, nothing Sick. you can do to stop us. <laughs> I am so skinny, bitch. I'm so building a fucking beat and, sl- and slapping your voice over it. <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. But in 1818, the 49th parallel became the border in Red River country between the United States and Canuckia. So the people had to choose which uh, country was theirs. And which HBC, side are you on? HBC wanted to shift the settlements up from Pembina there because the Métis there would trade with the American Fur Company. They're in yeah, the good old USA. HBC, HBC is a what company? Hudson's Bay. Yeah, and they're Canadian, British. Well, the British. Yes, they're British. So yeah, they'd want to be in territory still run by the British. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one figure. <laughs> but the problem was, many Métis didn't know which side of the border they were born on because they didn't have any fucking borders back when they were born. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the problem they have uh, in the Middle East, where you have the Bedouin people. Where they, 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 they cross through, like, Iraq and fucking Syria and, like, all that shit. And, like, they just don't recognize that shit because, like, well, we don't belong to any nation state. But yeah, man. Sovereign citizen. It, it's mm-hmm. almost like people used to be, like, free roaming and stuff like that. But, you know, build that wall. So, 1836, James Dixon had the idea to liberate... James, James Dixon... Uh, he was going to liberate all the Indians in Santa Fe, relocate them to California, and then set up a kingdom with himself as king. Oh, good. Okay, so the Indians that are in Santa Fe are those, like, is that maybe, like, still, like, Kit Carson put them there, or who, like? This is even before Kit Carson. Oh, fuck. Okay. (laughs) This is during when he's still guiding, I guess, or or actually trapping. But uh, basically, he uh, he would use Red River Métis to help him with this battle. Well, they're going to also love moving to the Southwest because it's exactly like where they're at. Well, you know, people who are not people, they can just adapt to different environments. You know, kind of like how you can leave your dog out in like 40 below and they'll be fine because they're a dog, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Fuck. So Dixon, by all accounts, was a wealthy, charming, educated scam artist. Uh, (laughs) He he managed to get 60 men to follow him from New York. Uh, then he heads to the Northwest, which in that case, the Northwest I'm sure they is were mountain men and hard asses, every one. Before he got to Salt St. Marie, he got arrested by Americans. By that time, he only had 20 followers left with him. 
But they, he did get to go to the Red River in the dead of winter. Governor Simpson told the HBC not to honor of any of his money drafts. Don't accept checks from this guy. Uh, more people deserted his army, so I don't know how less than 20 now he has. Four. I'm going with four. Dixon spent the winter in his costume uniform, which I'm sure looked a lot like the uh, Swiss Guard. Oh, man, <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for, like, Daredevil, like, season two. Oh, yeah, there you go. Coil so, man. basically, he finds Cuthbert Grant as a drinking partner for that winter. Grant provided him with food and guides to Santa Fe in the spring, basically to get him out of uh, Manitoba. Uh, Dixon gave him epaulets and a sword. I, I want you out of Manitoba so bad. Here's a couple <laughs> guys to show you the way out, and here's some food to make sure you get there. Yeah. But, Tony, that's the uh, new, yep. new ejection policy for the bar. We send people out with a microwave burrito, and like <laughs> the less, <laughs> the next less drunk person gets the guy to home. Sure, that's when you know you've been cut off is when they hand you a burrito, like a hot burrito. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you've you've been handed the burrito. Goodbye. <laughs> it's like so the Dixon fucking bachelor epaulets and a sword, but then Dixon was never heard from again. <gasps> After he left for Santa Fe. It's kind of like they sent him off with people that probably killed him, took all his shit. Maybe. Mm -hmm. 1849, about 300 Métis moved down to Pembina. I I love where it's down to Pembina. That's like one of the most northernmost things you can do in the United States. At least on the straight part. Yeah. Like the the straight flat part. So now they're moving into uh, more of the hunting grounds of the Sioux. Their traditional enemies. Then uh, they get to the Grand Coteau du Missouri, which is basically where the Missouri River bends south. There they have a battle at Dog Den Butte, or Maison du Chen. There we go. (laughs) Uh, It was known as ambush spot for the Sioux. So they're fighting with the Sioux. I guess that's the point. Uh, 1851, the Métis hunters left and went uh, south to hunt buffalo again. They had two separate groups a few miles apart. Uh, one of the Métis party encountered a Sioux village of 8,000. And they said hi and exchanged M&Ms. The Métis only had 67 men versus 8,000. They circled their wagons and dug in, though. Their, their carts, basically, I guess. They didn't yeah. have wagons. Well, it's fine. Uh, every two wagons equals, or every two carts equals a wagon, yeah? Give or take. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, like, they would, like, famously, like, not grease their axles, and you could just, like, pop the wheels off. So, once again, we, we've talked about the the thing of, like, dropping your wagon box down, you can, like, shovel dirt in there, and then, man, you have a pretty good fortification if you do that. Yeah. And these are... Uh, Industrious people that know their technology. Yeah, I, I figured they could set up some fucking hasty defense pretty pretty good. The Sioux were so confident, they they brought their women and children to the fight, uh, so thinking that, the, that they like would big, surrender. Big, big foam-like hand, like, go Lakota, go Lakota. Yeah. Uh, but the Métis would fight to their death. Uh, the Sioux fired at them, trying to scatter them. But the Métis shot to kill, so they're not playing fair. Well, uh, and they were well. Also, I don't think the like uh, the Métis. I don't think had the uh, 
cultural like uh, thing of like a counting coup. I don't think that was kind of a thing that they retained from their like native heritage, where like the Lakota, like that's kind of a big deal. So you kind of want to have people scatter so you can go hit them with a stick or something. Whereas like the other guys were like, "Nah, I'm just gonna shoot you." Yeah, I, fi- I figured from from afar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Métis were disciplined and didn't break. And then they held out for six hours. Uh, then the Sioux withdrew to their camp at night. And the Métis sent help under the cover of darkness to get more people. Uh, next morning, the Sioux attacked again. For five hours, they were held off this time. Then, to the Métis' surprise, the Sioux left. Uh, they lost about 80 or 90 warriors, and the Métis only lost one guy. Huh? After the, after this, the Sioux wouldn't fuck with them anymore for some reason. Well, yeah. Damn. Well, well, the thing is, wh- wh- okay, what's the thing that medicine do? Like, nobody, like, sallied forth from that, like, uh, circled, like, Red River cart thing and tried to fuck around. Nobody passed the ridge they were told not to pass. Shit like that. You know? Yeah. Well, if, if you're working with, like, um, you know, like, horse people like Lakota, you know, they're going to want to draw you in where they can, like, I don't know, do tactics like you do on cavalry. But if these guys are forded up, and you just keep on making rushes at a fort, yeah, they, you get fucked. Like, this was going to happen. I'm going to sit behind my little cart and, like, pick you off like fucking, like, pop cans. I, I mean, it makes sense to us now. It's because our forefathers, like, did shit like that that apparently now it makes sense. You know, there's a reason why we don't line up and send huge lines and shoot at each other one shot at a time anymore either. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. But uh, Grant was seen uh, more and more as a sellout to the HPC, and younger people began to uh, to follow Jean-Louis Riel and James Seclair. Uh, it was these two that led the growing resistance against the HPC. Uh, though it was their buffalo hunting that fed the HPC, they were looked down upon. And, of course, the company and the clergy wanted to change them into farmers, which is kind of a common thing for for the white father to do to her well yeah because like oh oh children like i know you're really good at hunting buffalo and i know we we rely on your like buffalo meat but wouldn't you just be happier growing corn like (laughs) and just what the fuck uh it was back in 1834 when an hbc officer struck a metis man antoine larocque over the head with a poker for demanding wages in advance of the trip imagine that Wow. Uh, the Métis surrounded Fort Gary singing war songs and dancing war dances, demanding delivery of the offending officer. Uh, there was always, a compromise, I, I'm, though. I'm always skeptical when white, white people talk about war dances, because, you know, a lot of times when people have been seen doing dances, pretty much going to always be interpreted by like oh, yeah. outsiders as like a war dance. They're just having a kid's they? birthday party, and they're like, "It's a war dance." <laughs> Not even so much. I, I'm, I'm, I'm more referring to like the ghost ass kind of shit, where yeah. like the Lakota were dancing to like uh, bring back the buffalo and like the dead relatives and stuff like that. And, yeah. And to the Indian agents, that was a sure sign that they were about to revolt. Mm-hmm. And so they freaked out, and then yay, wounded knee. Yep. <laughs> this is only 70, 80 years later. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like sometimes things don't ever fucking change, you know. Like, yeah. 
But the HBC would pay LaRock for his wages without him having to go to work and well, gave him a rum and tobacco. Ah, well, he sounds like a WWE fucking wrestler in the first place, so <laughs> maybe want to placate him a little bit. Um, My name is Dwayne. You can call me Le Rock. Le Rock. <laughs> I will give you the people's elbow. Let The Rock tell you in another language. Let him tell you in Swedish. What? Swedish? Now, Mick, if you need even further clarification, let The Rock tell you in Chinese. Uh-oh. Chinese? The HBC thought that everything in the country was theirs, which included the buffalo, and that they were simply paying the Métis to hunt buffalo for them. Uh, the Métis thought the HBC should share when they did bring in buffalo, uh, just like you know when you know the Métis actually shared stuff when they're running low. So basically, uh, if we're in times of abundance, share with me. If we're in times of shit, also share with me. But also, you work for me. Basically, the HBC hoarded food during tough times and didn't extend credit to the Métis. Oh. Yeah. Hooray. And the company demanded high prices for milling their wheat, too. The Métis forced them to build a mill in their village. 1836, a man was flogged in public for exporting furs without a license. Uh, Yep. This pissed off the Métis, and they chased the flogger out of town. So the HBC learned not to flog people in public. They chased the flogger out of town. Oh, not in public, but behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. Yeah. Uh, So the HBC would search carts for contraband furs, and if they were found, they were taken. This pissed off the Métis, too. HBC declared any furs owned had to be bought from the HBC. Yeah, well, it's because it's one of those things I keep on really, I guess, you know. It's the whole idea that a tree is not a tree unless it's lumber. Uh, an animal is not an la- animal unless it's meat and leather and whatever derivative products you can make out of it. And uh, since I'm the dominant company in the area, I own all rights to all things living and dead. And that seems like a great way to live. Well, that's uh, fucked up, too, because it's like, you know, you, like you, you know, you've been living in this area for a long time and... Like you may have made your own fur jacket because you fucking need it because it gets cold up there. Or because and now some I mean, asshole we, finds it and they're like, "Nope, uh, contraband." Well, because you basically us. grew up Native American and your folks like lived off the land and that's what you learned how to do. Yeah. Oh look, he got killed by a cougar again. That sounded like a big hold on a big crash. Was that just your phone? Uh, plus some beer too. Hold on. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take this point to get a fork so I can get one of these pickled eggs out of here without getting my hand all salty. Warning. This ad contains fucking bullshit that's not suitable for anyone. Listener discretion is advised. As I write to you, my dearest Octavia, I cannot help but think that when I joined up with the Union Army, I was worried for the future of our young country. I was a different man then. So young and naive, I did not know what to expect from the Civil War. But it has been the best summer ever. Bronson Swagger Entertainment presents Soldiers Gone Wild. 
10. It's the most outrageous soldiers gone wild yet. The looting. Everybody be cool, it's the robbery. The shooting. The drinking. Go noodle me some fish. The limb amputations. <laughs> Order your copy of Bronson Swagger Entertainment Soldiers Gone Wild 10 today from Sequoia and Swagger's free catalog. Order boys are standing by. The Buffalo were a problem for the HBC too because the Métis had to go further south and south to attain more buffalo and buffalo into America. Oh, so the buffalo weren't the problem. The lack of buffalo was the problem. Mm-hmm. So while in America, they would trade in Pembina before going back, which the HBC yeah, hated. It's also America. And, of course, the younger the Métis, they had no interest in following all the HBC's dumb rules. Yeah, fuck you, Dad. They're all wearing Jankos and shit. Fuck your rules, old man. I'm listening to corn all day. Oh, man, that was an awful time on Pointer Group. <laughs> 1845, the HBC declared that they would only buy furs directly from the hunter. This rule was aimed at the Métis, so they would cut them out of their business there. They petition, petitioned London to help, but no dice, because why would London care about half half uh, mixed people in, over in the new it's like, well, we're part French. Oh, we also hate the French. Well, it's sometimes Scottish and sometimes English, but mostly French. So basically, this is what happened between 1820 and 1860, that the HPC would pass more laws and laws to restrain the Métis, and the Métis complained and it evaded all the rules. Uh, sometimes the Métis responded with violence. Then the HPC would bend a little bit, but then it would repeat and they would do more laws and more stuff. This shit always fucking brings to mind, which I think uh, we've made some headway on here now, is like uh, like the most recent thing that reminds me of that kind of shit, and it's been ongoing and things similar, but like uh, the right to repair. Oh, uh, I yeah. I they just did, like, it, it's that kind of shit. Well, I, I, I lord over this industry, so therefore I'm going legisl- to lobby to legislate that, oh, I'm going to sell you a piece of equipment, but you have to get it serviced by... One of my people, you know, yeah, it's that kind. Of, it's that kind of shit. I, well, since I'm already king shit in this industry, like I'm gonna make fucking rules, and you need to fucking like follow it. Like, what the absolute fuck? Yeah, like HPC also tried to impose a land title system with themselves as sole authority for sales. Oh, why? And... Why would they want themselves to be sole authority though? <laughs> they seem so benevolent and fucking understanding. Hmm. Uh, they considered the Métis squatters. Uh, yeah, the even, though they had, were, even though they'd been there the whole time, for, like before. Ever, well, kind mm-hmm. of forever. Like, yeah. But at least uh, some of their ancestors had been, yeah. Uh, the lots were leased in a feudal system, which the lease was for a thousand years. That's always good, like feudal <laughs> system, like, yes. So you had to pay rent for a thousand years. Uh, HBC made laws against distilling liquor too. Oh yeah, means you have to drink whatever's in your fridge. What the fuck? Uh, well, it means you have to buy your liquor from HBC, which, as we all know, like prohibition is hugely popular all the time. Whenever it happens, at all times, and it, and it definitely, when imposed, will definitely preclude anybody from doing any kind of the uh, substances 
like that are prohibited. Also, when you the only place to buy uh, shit like is at one, the company store. That's a recipe for fucking absolute yeah, fantastic. Well, and, shit when going I can on. think of no better success than like actual like prohibition of alcohol or the war on drugs. You know, I mean, those are both like just glowing beacons of success. Oh yeah, every time. And uh, you know, like just just nothing wrong there ever happened like at all. <laughs> like uh, fuck. Uh, they also still made it illegal to trade with Americans. Oh, yes. Which, yep, so basically oh. it's HPC or nothing. Yeah. Uh, few Métis like play said, ball in, and didn't in the future, all, In the future, all restaurants are Taco Bell. We're going to have mm. so many goddamn fucking Demolition Man fucking clips in this shit. Your tone is quasi-facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Taco Bell. No way. Have you heard of the Taco Bell Cantina? I just heard of that. That must be out of the loop or something. What the fuck is that? A Taco Bell where you're served liquor. What? So it's like uh, (laughs) Baja Blast margaritas or what? Exactly. I I could get down on that. That sounds pretty good. (laughs) That sounds right up your alley there, fucking sugar whore. 1835, the HBC even established a court. But well, it didn't I'm bother sure, to sure set that was it a aside. Fair and impartial court. Yeah, exactly. They didn't bother to set it aside from the company itself. Uh, in 1845, it wouldn't hear a trial against itself. <laughs> in 1847, was the first land case. A uh, few Métis were charged of cutting lumber on their own property. Uh, the HBC presented Lord Selkirk's deed and charged the Métis five shillings for cutting down the trees. How dare you? At long last, <laughs> sir, you cut down a tree. You're a dead uh, man. 1849, four traders were charged with trafficking furs. Uh, they were sued by the HBC. The judge was also the HBC governor. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the court's first date was sent for Ascension Day, which is a Catholic holiday. Where Jesus goes to heaven. Yes. But of course, the Métis were uh, French Catholic. Uh, after Mass, Jean-Louis Riel read a letter challenging the company's monopoly. On Ascension Day, they found uh, they had I an early Mass. I challenge your monopoly. You owe me rent on boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, the Métis get around it by having an early Mass so they could get to court later in the day. Early Mass is a good metal band name. Mm-hmm. About well, 400 actually, art- Now I think about a mediocre metal band name. Anyway, <laughs> Critical Mass is better. That's also a, a song by, was it not Overkill? Nuclear Assault. So about 400 armed Métis surround the courthouse. Uh, the trial was delayed, but it got going around one. Uh, the Métis delegation sat on a list of grievances. Uh, the final demand was for a free fur trade. Judge Tom... Ladies, another you no H- longer have to shave your privates. That's right. <laughs> Just let that fucking bush flow. All natural. Did you, say, buck. did you say Judge Tom? Yep. Okay. <laughs> he was another HBC employee. He launched into an hour-long tirade, 
and he ended up crying. He was so emotional over it. (laughs) (laughs) Crying? Uh, The jury found one of the traitors guilty, but recommended mercy. That's the problem with the HPC. They have all this power, but when it comes to the jury, they can't find enough, you know, sympathetic people to their causes. Well, generally, all all their power is derived from, like, England and, like, their money in England. And when the people that actually work in that vicinity or not anywhere near England, we have to rely on local people that have different ideas than mm-hmm. the people that hear about these things secondhand. I so. sentence you to mercy. Uh, but the prosecutor dropped the charges on the other guys, um, mostly because the courthouse was surrounded by an angry mob. But the monopoly remained legally intact, uh, but the Métis celebrated anyway. There was a five-year-old boy who witnessed his father speak on the behalf there. That left a mark on the young Louis Riel. So I guess that's a good place to stop since we got well, you right. said you said the five-year-old boy, Louis Riel, witnessed what happened? His father speak and... Oh, uh, speak. Got it. What was his father's name? Jean-Louis yeah. Riel. So Jean-Louis Riel, his son, Louis Riel, got to... But yes, this is where I was trying to get to, because this this is where it gets actually like political and not just like fucking. Uh, um, hey, well, actually, why am I doing the French shit for the fucking English? Like, hey, man, we own all the furs and all the land and all the shit, and thank you for sp- supplying us with food and furs and shit. But you can't also sell your furs to other people. Well, fuck you. We can do what we want. And, like, we've been here longer than you, you know. Yeah. Your French accent so. was good, but your British accent was amazing. Yeah, Fucking yeah. Imma- I tried real hard on the British one. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, uh, there, there, is, there is some conjecture that, um, you know, when you watch, like, shit, like, uh, for lack of a better idea, like, shit, like, um, uh, Last of the Mohicans with DDL, or like the Patriot with the uh, with the uh, fucking anti semite, uh, like oh, uh, uh, yeah, Mel Gibson, <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking back in those days, like there's conjecture where the British might have sounded a lot more like we do now, and the colonists might have sounded a lot more British. Ish, I like ah man, I have no leg to stand on here. I read a thing one time. I've, I've heard the where. same thing that the British but, sounded more more high end after the Revolutionary War. Right. Well, oh, I, uh, so during during the Victorian era, they they started like it, it's like hence when people act like or say like and rightly so, you know, like uh, British English, like you spell color, you, American English, you spell color, it's different things like yeah, aluminium yeah. versus aluminum, like that that kind of shit. But uh, you know we don't know because nobody was able to record stuff at that point. They ra- they ran out of ferrets and birds mm-hmm. before the wax cylinder was invented, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then you know when Thomas Thomas Edison sold that from Tesla and Mark Twain, and then they had to fight that caveman. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You know, Captain Caveman. <laughs> yeah, well, unga bunga. Uh, fucking, uh, but yeah, we're going to leave it off there, uh, for this week. 
welcome back. Uh, like those of you that are still with us after the core discovery, which was like 37 episodes and, you know, we recorded them all in two sit downs and got progressively worse the whole entire time. But like, uh, yeah. So, uh, we'll pick it up, uh, next week with more about the Métis and more about, uh, how they found their place in modern society, which as most of you can probably tell, since you've never heard of them before, uh, you know, they survive, but you know, not not exactly. Uh, it, it didn't go as well as they might have hoped. They didn't take over mm-hmm. all of all of Canadian uh, society. Yeah, but well, I'm excited uh, to check it out. But until then, I think we should go out and hail of goat fire. Goat fire. Goat fire. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Would thou like to live deliciously?